1 Corinthians 14. We're going to read verse 1 to 25. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 to 25. Starting verse 1, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So you all thought that when you got up this morning. God, you prayed this morning, you said, God, help me to prophesy today. That would be a good thing to pray, right? For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. We dealt with tongues last week. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I'll be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I'll pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person's not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers... Do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the Lord is written by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. All right, you ready? (coughs) Strap yourselves in. Here's the first one. There are different levels of prophetic authority in the Bible. Can you go to Hosea chapter 1 verse 2? We're going to look at Old Testament prophets first up. Isaiah 1 verse 2. It's really going to help to have an app for this, but uh, some of you guys are like ninja Bible verse finders, so you'll be right. Isaiah 1 verse 2. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go to Exodus 4 verse 12. 
Exodus 4 verse 12. Now you probably already know this, but the prime top level prophet before Jesus came along, according to the Jews, was Moses. Exodus 4 verse 12. This is what God says to Moses. Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. All right, so we've looked at the prophet Hosea, the, the prophet Moses. Come with me to Jeremiah 1 verse 9. Jeremiah 1 verse 9. Jeremiah 1 9 says this, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Go to Ezekiel 2 verse 7. Are you going okay? Ezekiel 2 verse 7. Ezekiel 2 7 says this, And you shall speak my words to them. Now we'll stop there, but we could actually go through other Old Testament prophets. What's the big idea here? Old Testament prophets spoke the very words of God. They frequently spoke in the first person for God and if you disobeyed an Old Testament prophet, you disobeyed God. There is nowhere in the Old Testament that tells you to test or evaluate things that Old Testament prophets say. Now there were tests for what was a true prophet and what was a false prophet but in the New Testament kind of sense, which we'll get to in a bit, where you test and evaluate things, there's nothing like that in the Old Testament. Old Testament prophets carried a different authority than what we're actually looking at in 1 Corinthians 14. Go to Deuteronomy 18 verse 22. Deuteronomy 18 verse 22. So Deuteronomy 18 verse 22 says this, When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously, you need not be afraid of him. Here's the bottom line about Old Testament prophets. If they said one thing that was wrong, it made them a false prophet. That's how it works. And do you know what the punishment was for false prophets? Go to verse 20 in Deuteronomy 18. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I've not commanded him to speak or he speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. It was God talking through the Old Testament prophets right down to the very words used. It doesn't mean that good prophets can't go wrong. The big idea here which I want to put out to you is there isn't a sense with Old Testament prophets that you had to evaluate what they said. They spoke on behalf of, behalf of God. It's like what they said went. And one of the other things that you notice, uh, i just throw it in for you about Old Testament prophets, is that Old Testament prophets... Um, most people when they think about prophecy actually think that prophecy is about foretelling but prophecy is mostly about foretelling it's actually speaking on behalf of God and what you'll actually notice in the Old Testament prophets is that foretelling what's going to happen in the future is actually a small percentage of what they're doing the Old Testament prophets were calling people to covenant faithfulness to God they were calling people to be faithful to God to fulfill the commandments to look after the poor the weak the widow there was some foretelling, but it was minor. 
They spoke with scriptural, biblical authority. Now, here's a good question, and if you're curious about this one, it'd be good for you to get Grudem's book, because I think he does some good work on this. Why are there not prophets in the New Testament? Now, before you answer that and say, yes, the New Testament talks about prophets, just hold up for a minute, all right? Why are there not prophets in the New Testament that have the same scriptural authority as what you have in the Old Testament? Like they speak and what they say or what they write is scripture. Now, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Who are the people in the New Testament, by and large, who are, when they write things, it's scripture? Who are they? The apostles, right? Now, Grudem actually goes and talks about why there's a name changeover between the prophets in the Old Testament and the apostles in the New Testament. But if you look at them, you can actually see there's a similarity of role in terms of what they're saying and what they're writing down to the prophets in the Old Testament. The bottom line is that when you get to the prophets in the New Testament, it's not talking about, I don't think it's talking about the same kind of level of authority of prophecy as what you have in the Old Testament, because I think the apostles actually take that on in the New Testament. Are you okay so far? Let me give you some scriptures about that. Uh, go to John chapter 14, verse 26. John chapter 14, verse 26 says this. But the helper, Jesus talking to the disciples, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. All right, now that's a lead. Now go to John chapter 16. Verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, this is John 16, 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, there's some special stuff going on there. I think Jesus is saying some really unique, special things that... The Spirit is actually going to work in the apostles and they're actually going to write Scripture. Go down, uh, sorry, go to uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter 3. So we're thinking about um, the New Testament prophets in a sense, if we're talking about it in an Old Testament way, are the apostles, Okay. We're thinking about the authority that they actually have. Second Peter three fifteen to 16. Our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand. Can I get an amen from someone? Which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, uh, destruction as they do the other what? Scriptures. So what's that implying about what Paul's doing? He's writing scripture. That's what he's doing. Paul's writing scripture. Now I'm going to, let's go across to 1 Corinthians 14. And we'll probably, I think we'll probably camp here for uh, most of the rest of today. 1 Corinthians 14. So again, we're talking about a different authority. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37 to 38. 
So just put your thinking caps on with this one because I think this is probably the clearest one out of all of them. If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognise this, he's not recognised. What's Paul saying? He's saying that what he writes and what he says is authoritative in a different way to the prophets around. The prophets around will realise that and will be in line with him if they're a good prophet. Is that cool? So, the bottom line here is that in the New Testament you don't have a group of classical kind of Old Testament prophets but in the New Testament through whom Scripture's coming. You don't have that. What you've actually got is you've got a group of apostles, people that have actually borne witness to Christ who are playing that kind of role. But at the same time you actually do have some people that are referred to as prophets in the New Testament. Now, some of you are probably thinking about some scriptures because this actually gets a little bit murky. Because sometimes in the New Testament, the uh, New Testament writers talk about the prophets of the, of the uh, New Testament. They're actually talking about prophets in an Old Testament sense and by default they're actually talking about the, the apostles and other times they're actually talking about people that don't have the authority of apostles to write scripture but they're these prophets. Have I confused you? Do you get that? Like, and it just, it's a little bit tricky sometimes because you'll read some scriptures and you'll go, which one's this? Is this talking about the apostles or is it actually talking about this group of prophets through which scripture's not coming but they have a prophetic gift? You have to be careful and things can get a little tricky in the New Testament. And uh, if you want further clarity on that, get Wayne Grudem's book because it'll be really helpful to you. Wayne Grudem's got this um, definition of... Uh, um, New Testament prophecy uh, that we see in 1 Corinthians 14 which I think is really really helpful and this is it speaking merely human words to report something God brings to mind straightforward speaking merely human words to report something that God brings to mind so hang with me in 1 Corinthians here. Let's, uh, let's just have a look at prophecy in 1 Corinthians. Here's the first thing that we see in 1 Corinthians. Go back to 1 Corinthians 12 verse 10. It says prophecy is a gift, right? Go down to the end of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27 to 29. This group of prophets, these people who have this New Testament prophecy gift are mentioned there as well. That's the first thing. It's a gift. Second thing, it's not as good as love. <laughs> Nothing's as good as love. Go to 1 Corinthians 13 verse 2. You know, Paul talks about he could have prophetic power, but if he doesn't have love, he's a um, to waste of time. Go to 1 Corinthians 13 verse 8 to 9. Now, prophecy and tongues are actually going to pass away, but love won't pass away. Love's still better. Is a third thing. Prophecy is powerful. Even in chapter 13, verse 2 there, prophecy is powerful, but love's better. Go to chapter 14, verse 1. You remember Paul said he wants everyone to prophesy. Go to verse 3 to 5 of chapter 14. Paul's just going to get into it because it builds up the church. Go to verse 24 to 25 in chapter 14. 
the secrets of people's hearts get disclosed because God tells them something. There's something supernatural that's going on. But then you actually see down in verse 29, and, and you know this, you know this from regular life, right? When there's, something that, when there's something powerful, you need to have good principles and controls around it so it doesn't get used badly. I mean, prophecy's powerful and it's really helpful, but there's rules in there about how to use it. It's like Australia's got gun laws because guns are powerful. If you're a tradesman, you use power tools and you're careful. You've got your own legalism and rules about how you use a power tool because you could really get hurt if you don't use it properly. And so you see down in verse 29 there that um, New Testament prophets, it's like you don't have the authority just to go out and start sprouting things all over the place. All right? As, you, as if you're some kind of authority. You're some of, thus saith the Lord, right? You go down to verse 29 in chapter 14, it says all the other prophets should sit there and weigh up what's been said. If you've got something to say, you say it in a community where people can give you feedback on it. Just say, man, you're just way off. Now, some of you might actually uh, have the question at this point in time, so what's the difference between preaching and teaching? Sorry, not preaching and teaching, preaching and prophecy or teaching and prophecy, very similar. Well, the bottom line is that there might actually be some times when someone's preaching where they say things that really connect big time with people in the audience. And there'll be times for me where I actually go off my notes here and there'll be something I'll say which I feel like I need to say and then people will come up at the end and they say, man, that was exactly what I needed to hear. And then there's other times that just, these just completely weird me out where someone comes up and says, I said something, I'm going, man, I, for the life of me, I cannot remember saying that. You know, so I look at my notes, is it, is it even in there? And so through something that I said, God and the Spirit really connected it to uh, what was going on for the person in there particular life you know preaching and teaching is like expounding something it's teaching you something it's calling you to something prophecy's got more of a sense that it kind of fits a particular occasion or it's situation focused it tends to be a little bit more responsive um, to what's going on around it Uh, it kind of tends to be God bringing something to mind that you probably that I probably wouldn't have thought of but it's something that's upbuilding encouraging and consoling you know, God does do stuff through me preaching where he pierces through uh, the external stuff for people. I mean, sometimes, so I, you know, so, yeah, some preachers saying, like, people go up to him and say, have you been reading my mail? Like, do you know what's going on in my life? It's like, no, I, I, don't, I don't really know what's going on in your life. There might be sometimes where I preach or another preacher preaches and they'll, um, maybe they'll divert from their, 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 uh, their notes here and they'll look at you and you just, bam, it's like God does something right there and then, you know, that, that is prophecy. That can be prophecy there. Now, I just, um, I want to, uh, I'm going to move into guidelines for prophecy in the church, right? But I just want to get someone up to talk and this person's new to the church, um, for those of you who were here um, on Father's Day, Ed Welsh spoke down in the Indoor Sports Centre and you might remember that Ed Welsh spoke um, about the Good Samaritan and I just want to play for you the first minute or two of Ed Welsh's talk on that day and then I'm going to get this person up to talk to you, alright? So let me see if I can do this. Hang on. So pleased to be with you. I'm so pleased. Heard about Toowoomba by way of Pete for, for a number of years, and you probably know how these things go. 
to hear about Toowoomba is one thing, and the beauty of Toowoomba and the people, uh, but, but to actually be here to, to meet a number of you is... It, 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 please understand, it, it puts Toowoomba and you on my heart. It's, 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 it's just such a pleasure to be, to be with you. And then, I don't, you perhaps do not understand how unusual it is for churches in one area to gather together, as if they're one big church. So, so to be with you on this particular day when you gather together is such a pleasure. And then to do it on Father's Day. So what's not to like? This is, this is just such a treat for me. There, there's a bit of a problem, however. The, the problem is that as I've been thinking about our time together and a passage to consider with you, I, my mind kept going to a passage that was perhaps packing the most amount of guilt in one particular story as any passage in the Bible. And, and I can't necessarily say it was the spirit leading me. Maybe it was just my brain got stuck. Maybe it was brain damage. I don't know. But I've been stuck on this particular passage. And, and let's jump into the passage and see if we can find the good news in it. The passage is Luke chapter 10. It's the Good Samaritan Okay. So I'm going to invite Charmaine up. Can you just give Charmaine a round of applause? So uh, Charmaine's new to the project. In fact, Father's Day was the first day she ever came to the project. Um, so I thought I'd just invite her up and get her to tell you her story a little bit on that uh, Sunday morning. Thank you. Yeah. Is that on? Yeah. People who come and meet, but today I'm really nervous. Um, I normally wear a hat as a midwife, so confident in that role, but standing in front of God and, and in this place is very intimidating. But here I stand to share what happened to me that day. And I'm looking straight at Joe. So Joe Hollis and I work together in private practice at my midwife since Woomba. And one random Wednesday, Joe approached me in the middle of our lunch break and said, hey, I bet you come to church this Sunday. We're doing this combined church. It'll be really cool. And that's all she said. And that tweaked something in my brain. To, wow, that was interesting. Why did she provoke that thought? Okay, I'll leave and sit with it. It festered and grew. And that Sunday morning I woke up. Now, I'm not a fan of Father's Day. Never have been for a... Hmm, never was at one point. But after I turned 13, Father's Day was a different day for me. I lost my dad when I was 13. He was hit by a car when he stopped to help somebody else that was hit by a car. Now, that person he stopped survived. My dad was hit by a second car and was killed instantly. So he left to go and help somebody and never came home. So Father's Day from that day became insignificant. A hallmark holiday. Anyway, that Sunday I woke up, Joe's little voice echoing in my head, come to church, come to church. Why am I going to church? I kept arguing in my head, why am I going? Anyway, I got dressed, got my kids dressed, six of them, dragged my knuckles all the way here, sat in that auditorium around hundreds of people, hundreds, and what am I doing here? Ed Welsh, the name I'll never ever forget, (laughs) stood up and you heard what he said. As soon as he said that word, Good Samaritan, everything else became a blur. When my dad was hit and killed by the car, the first article that the newspaper published about his death, and there was many, was Good Samaritan dies, saving a life. So I had turned away from God. 
a lot of times in my life and I had tried to fight the power of God and his love and Father's Day, the day that I despised up until now, the most dragged myself to church and God reintroduced me to my dad and he, my dad therefore reintroduced me to God and here I stand Hey, good day, eh? Yeah. He knows God's good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Ed didn't know what he was doing. Well, he did, but he didn't, you know. And uh, God can do that, right? And I think that's just a really great example of the way that God works to bring the right message to the right people, you know. Uh, Ed was a little bit hesitant there to kind of go there on the day, but it's like, no, I feel like... I'm, I mean, I got to talk with Ed beforehand and he was going, I just feel like I'm supposed to do the Good Samaritan on that Sunday, you know, and I've, I've said to Charmaine since, I said, I think you've got a personal message, <laughs> and I think she did. Amazing, eh? Okay, why wouldn't you want more of that? Why wouldn't you want more of that? All right, so let me uh, run through really quickly. I just want to give you some guidelines for unleashing prophecy in the project, because I want to see heaps of this, all right, as much as God wants to do. I don't really want to see a whole bunch of us running around just making up stuff, but I want us to be seeking God and saying, God, what is it that you'd actually have us to do? What would you have us to say? Is there something that we could actually bring to uh, our brother or sister on a Sunday, a community group during the week via text message or a phone call? Is there something that I, can, that I can say that's going to be really helpful to people? Who knows that that was really upbuilding for Charmaine? True? And the cool thing is, I mean, Charmaine said to me she wants to get baptised, so how cool is that? You know, awesome stuff. Here's, here's the first guideline, don't despise it. You know, you may not be a despiser, but there's probably some despisers out there or sceptics out there, okay? It's just like, you know, I've seen it go bad. Yeah, I, pro- probably everyone has seen it go, go bad. But just because something goes bad, does it mean that you throw the whole thing out? You throw the baby out with the bathwater, the answer is, no, you don't. You just work hard. You do the best that you can to get it operating well and operating right. The scriptures say don't despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. So don't despise it. Here's the second thing. Pursue it. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Go after it. Pray to God on Sunday mornings before you come to church that God would give you something to say to someone else in church. Do that. Pray that before you go to community group, whenever that is. Whenever you get together with people, when you sit down to have a cup of coffee with someone, why wouldn't you just say to God, God, is there something specific that I could bring that would be helpful to this person? Pray that. Do that regularly. You know, so long as it doesn't contradict Scripture, go with something that God's put on your heart. You know, one of the things um, I hope that some people in leadership have noticed recently is, well, not even recently, I've been doing it for a while, is like just making space for people to share stuff that's on their heart. And I, I do that at meetings. It's like, has anyone got anything that's on their heart that they'd like to share that they think maybe God's put there? You know, if, God, if you feel God's prompted you to say something to someone else, you should, you should tell them. 
Now, there's a couple more guidelines yet, so don't, don't freak out. Yeah, but just at a, at a surface level kind of thing, if you feel God's put something on your heart to encourage someone, just go and tell them. And it's an all play. Have you got your Bible still open at chapter 14 there? Let me find it here. Chapter 14, verse 31. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. It's like some of you are going, yeah, it's not for me. It's just like, well, Paul kind of thinks, if you all want to have a crack, let's have a crack. Let's, it, there's other things to be careful with. I'm getting to those, right? But let's just kind of sink our, our teeth in a little bit into this all play here. It's, it's something that God could use us all for. Could we actually pray to God and, and ask Him for that? That God would actually give us something to say. Here's the third one. Make sure it's upbuilding and encouraging. This is really important. It's really, really important. When you have a word that you want to share with someone, and I'm not talking about it in the same context as Scripture, right? But when you have something that is on your heart that you want to share with someone else, it has to be upbuilding and encouraging. That's the nature of New Testament prophecy. If it doesn't build up and encourage, you probably just need to put it, stick it on the side and not use that one. Or at least go and talk to some other people about it beforehand. But even then, if it doesn't upbuild and encourage and bring consolation, it probably needs to get the chop. All right? Someone came up to me one time and said, Peter... Sometimes I get words from God for people and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. And straight up I'm getting flashbacks to the flight attendant telling you what to do when the plane crashes, right? <laughs> that's what was going through. It's like I've just got to put my head down on my knees and maybe not quite, but that's what I was thinking. This is going to go badly. And then the person went on to tear strips off me. Now, at the end of that, it took me a little while to just catch my breath, right? But at the end of that, do you know the really simple thing I could have done right at the end of that? I don't have to listen. I don't have to listen to anything that you said because there was not one part about what that person said to me that was upbuilding, encouraging or consoling. That's genuine 1 Corinthians 14 prophecy. All right? You're not out there to make everyone else holy. You know, you're not, you don't have the mantle of Isaiah. <laughs> you with me? You just don't have it. What you have is like go out and encourage and console people around you make sure it's up building and encouraging it always ought to be and speak to people's specific needs here's the next one don't claim false authority and i would say to you don't ever say to someone that god told you something all right because that's an old testament prophet level of authority that you've got there that you're actually speaking the very words of god now, you might be saying a whole bunch of things that God wants to be said in that particular moment, but you don't have Old Testament prophet authority. So don't say that. The problem with it when you say things like that, or even if you say this, I have a word from God for you, is it claims an authority that you don't have, and it's kind of putting the pressure on the person that they actually have to obey what you say have to obey what you say like that's old testament prophet authority that's what that is you don't have that no one's got that the apostles had it true 
So what could you say instead? Let me give you a few options. I think God may have put this on my heart for you, which has got built into it. I could be wrong. But I think maybe God's put this on my heart for you. I feel like there is something that I need to tell you. You could say that. I think that God is showing me dot, dot, dot. I have a picture in my mind that might be for someone who's here. Like, don't box people into a corner and make them feel disobedient if they don't follow what you've said. But let's be generous in praying and seeking to have things that would be upbuilding and encouraging for other people. Is that cool? So don't claim false authority. Personally, this is the one that just drives me up the wall. Okay? It big time just drives me up the wall. Um, and I think the fascinating thing, that the problem with it is what it does is someone's taking scriptural authority in something that they're saying to someone else. And what I've noticed in all my time in a charismatic school and being involved in a charismatic church is that people actually do have filters through which they filter all of that stuff. And when someone comes up and says, God told me something, there's probably a part of people in those churches who are experienced and have been in that zone enough who are going, yeah, right, well, listen to what you've got to say and we'll work it out after that, all right? Which is a biblical way of doing it. But I think in terms of things working really smoothly and well at the project here, let's not say that God told me something. Let's not claim scriptural authority in the things that we're saying, but because I think what that's going to do is that's actually going to unleash more prophecy if people out there are... If, do you get what I'm saying? Like if people out there are claiming biblical authority and saying, God told me this and he told me that and he told me this, this about you and this and this and this, it's like what's going to happen is people are going to get on the defensive a bit about that and they're going to go, oh yeah, but the Bible, the Bible's sure and I can rely upon that and you're telling me that God's saying something to you and then you're wrong about this stuff and then all of a sudden we're in this mixed up zone where we're going, I don't really want to listen to the prophecy anymore. Are you with me? And it just gets messy. If we just don't claim false authority and we just say, look, I think maybe this is from God, but it may not be. And put it out there. Just, just say it. I think we'll have more prophecy if we do that. Here's the, um, here's the next guideline. Evaluate any prophecy given. Anything that anyone says to you, you don't have to go with that. Like, it's not like reading the Gospel of John. Like, evaluate it. Work it out. Read Scripture. Talk to other people around you. Measure it up against what you know to be true and what you know to be false. And remember that the, the instruction by Paul in Thessalonians to test prophecies is going to apply to anything that you say as well. Not just to the things that you receive and remember also that if you decide that you're going to share a prophecy publicly you just got to be open to the fact that there's going to be a public evaluation of what you've just shared publicly is that not fair you just got to leave yourself open for that and I, I would I mean it's it's a weird reality it's like I'm, I'm saying and I think Paul's saying like let's get right into this and then he's saying well just you, it doesn't mean you don't want to be careful about it. You still want to be careful about it, but let's, let's be careful about it and get right into it. You can check it with people around you, the things that you're going to share. And this is perhaps just the anchor point here 
for all of this is we are always at the project going to anchor into scripture as the place where you can always go to hear God's voice okay we're not going to get diverted into just I mean God could do some amazing things and man I would love him to do that right and it would be great to have just pumping prophecy all around the place but I tell you something you've got to guarantee from me we're not going to get distracted from scripture as the main and the central part of understanding what God's saying to us this stuff over here just beautiful garnishing <laughs> true it's just it's just going to make it sweet and it's going to make the culture so good oh man we're not going to do questions today i've gone too long sorry but send them in and we'll do them next week i want to um close with this the issue of source and timing all right How do I know if the prompting that's on my heart is from God or not and should I actually say it or not? That's a good question. Now, this is going to be a little murky because there's sometimes, I mean, there's sometimes where it's not going to be 100% clear. So you've got this prompting, what am I going to do with it? Well, let me give you a few, a few suggestions. The first thing you do is you check what you're thinking about saying with Scripture. Does it fit? with scripture second thing you check this is it encouraging and upbuilding all right take one it's consistent with scripture take two is it encouraging and upbuilding if you really want to check in you could then actually this is just like 2a you could check in with some people around you that you respect in a spiritual sense and say hey i've got this thing on my heart to say to someone can you tell me what you think about it that would be a wise thing to do i think that's what paul talks about in 1 corinthians 14 but here's the bottom line set it loose if it fits in with scripture and it's encouraging set it loose now what would you say to me if i said to you i prayed today and i asked god whether it would be the right thing to love this other person today whether you know whether it was good timing you know was it was it you know am i, am I loving them at the wrong time or what what would you say to that well you just love them right it's like i mean seriously when did anyone ever get disciplined by god for god going what on earth are you doing loving that person i didn't tell you to do that that'd be weird right because you just meant to do it is not encouragement like that as well couldn't we just encourage people all the time and some of you might start going and you can get a bit neat nicky on this stuff right but some of you might start going yeah okay well <clears throat> well maybe it's not prophecy maybe it's just encouragement see at that point i just don't really care what you call it it just like does it really matter what you call it like it might be a prophecy and you might go oh maybe that person just was really worshiping god and they really felt something that they felt that they wanted to go and say to someone it was encouraging it was upbuilding and you go well you can't say it if it's not prophecy do you get what i'm saying oh that's a weird thing to do i just think the best way to go here is like if there's something on your heart and it's going to build other people up and you're really sure about it and it fits in with scripture and it'd be helpful to people why can't we just go and say it and sometimes it's probably going to be prophecy and other times it just might be a word of encouragement i'll take those you know you have any kind of word of encouragement i'll have one anyone else with me yeah, yeah totally 
part of the problem is, I think, that when you... I think that God prompts you more often, probably, than you respond to. And when you, when you don't follow that, you just get dull. And you just, you, you, don't, you don't have a sense of it. You don't have a sense of what God's up to. And so the best thing that could happen in the project this week is that all of you, if you had a prompting and you're going, oh, I don't know whether that's God or not. Is that, is that God? Is it not God? Is it prophet? Like, don't even do that. It's like, well, I, I've got something that I reckon could really encourage someone. And it fits in with scripture. I might just shoot them a text and let them know. I might give them a call and let them know. Just encourage them. Build them up. Like, when, when's that going to be a bad thing? And if you're just a little bit nervous about it because it's getting specific and a bit edgy, go to a group of people and ask them what they think about it. Now, the last thing I'm going to say this morning is this. The issue of place. Where do I do it? Now, you've, you've noticed at the project that on a Sunday morning, there's not heaps of it that happens. Now, Sue had something on her heart before when she was praying, obviously, right? And, and she prayed that. And it's like, we're cool with that. But it do, it's not going to work most helpfully at a large group kind of setting. I mean, if you go back to the early church, Paul's involved in an early church where people met in homes and probably the biggest of those homes could fit 150 people in and most of them were much smaller than that so you've got to get the sense when you read the stuff about the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 that it's kind of happening in a smaller group context which is why you need to be in a community group one of the reasons why you need to be in it expect less prophecy to happen on a Sunday morning and small group leaders let me give you a couple of things that you could say to your people. This is a smaller group and it's an appropriate place to take some risks. True? Because you all know each other. You haven't got the risk of unbelievers coming in and just getting weirded out. It's okay to get things wrong. You can work through it all. In fact, if someone had um, something that they had on their heart that they shared with the group and it was weird and just off, you could easily have a public kind of evaluation of it without people getting offended too much. True? You could just have a group conversation about it. Here's another thing for small group leaders. You need to make space for this kind of leading of the Spirit. You know, pause in your group and say something like this. Is there anything that is on your heart that you think maybe God wants that you'd actually share with the group? Now, if something like this happens on Sunday mornings, where you feel that there's something that you need to share with everyone on Sunday mornings, let me give you some clear guidelines for this. Very important. You should go and talk to one of the elders about what you've got to share and tell them what it is. Okay? And typically that would actually be me um, or whoever's hosting. So you could go and talk to Cole about that. You should never, ever, ever feel free to just come and grab a mic and start sprouting something that you feel God's put on your heart, all right? You need to submit to the leaders in the church. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14 there, you can see Paul down toward the bottom there says, uh, you, want to, you just want to limit to two or three 
people sharing a prophecy, all right? So there's, liter like, there's literally a limit to how many people could actually share something on a Sunday morning. Um, and I think there's wisdom in that. Let me give you a couple of other things, guidelines, if you've got something to share on a Sunday morning. Uh, it's, it's really uncool in any context to uh, criticise the leadership publicly, all right? Don't, don't get up and say something like that. You want to honour leadership wherever you are. And I've been in lots of situations where I haven't agreed with where the leadership's going. You still don't get up and publicly criticise them. You don't stand up and expose someone's sin publicly. Like, don't do that. I'm just letting you know, too, that we're going to avoid any kind of prophecy about upcoming marriages, babies, jobs, or moving house. All right? We're just not going there. Okay. It's 10 past 11. I've gone way over. I hope that's been helpful. We're going to sing. Can I, um, can I have the music team up? We'll uh, sing. Here's what I want to do today. Um, if you earnestly desire the gift of prophecy, and I'm not, this is really important, I'm not inviting you. <laughs> let, me, let me clarify. Sometimes people can sit there and go, I want to be a prophet. I'm not inviting you to a job, right? We're, we're inviting you to reach out to God and say, is, do, you, do you want to give me the gift of prophecy? And I, the whole way through this whole thing we've been saying, it's not so much that the spiritual gifts become this identity-defining thing for you. It's like God just gives stuff to you. And, and do you know what? You just might have a little prophetic thing or some kind of encouragement that you want to give, and it's just a one-off. Like, that's cool, and it may never come again. So maybe even it's just this week, you, you're just going, I, I would like to prophesy once this week. So we're just... We're going to pray. So community group leaders and elders, if you, if you just, you heard 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, which says, earnestly desire the gifts, pursue love, earnestly desire the gifts, especially that you may prophesy and you're just going, God, give me something really specific for someone this week. I'd like to pray for you. Cool? You should all be just going, that's me, man. I'm coming down. This church is going to go till three o'clock today. All right? Because I'd like that. I'd like the Spirit to work in me to speak specifically into people's lives around me. And we're going to do that through this song. Okay? So if you want, if you want prayer, um, well, we'll just give you prayer. But if you, want, if you just want general prayer, yeah, we'll pray for you. If you want prayer that God would stir you up to speak specifically into people's lives in the coming week, months, year, Come down the front. I don't know what he's going to do. He can do whatever he wants. But we'll ask him, because he's a good dad, about what he should do. Amen?